What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Big MX Radio podcast. Thank you for joining us, and uh, really excited about this episode with Joe Cancellari. We'll get to it right away. Just a quick note for a few of you who I know love to play uh, fantasy motocross as well as are just a fan of, of racing in general. Obviously, you guys are going to be watching Anaheim 2 coming up this weekend, our first Triple Crown Series event of the uh, uh, of the year and as it was last year and always throws a little bit of a curveball into things. Uh, qualifying time is mo- more important than ever. Uh, as far as just getting into uh, the main events, and there from there, uh, some guys have some special skills as far as sprinting goes that seem to uh, rise to the top in situations like this. So I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a rundown of see who I would suggest that you might look at uh, to have either a good night or uh, maybe not such a night to uh, write home about. So uh, in the 250 glass, um, who does this help? Uh, I think for sure there's a, a, a list of four guys that I think are going to see a little bit of an uptick in their performance or their overall finishes because of uh, of this situation. And that's none other than Jimmy Dakotas. Jimmy Dakotas is one of the best sprinters in the game. Uh, he's always had sprint speed. He's always had good uh, one-lap speed. Uh, he's good at qualifying. Uh, he's good at starts, and he'll be up there right off the hop. I think uh, he's one of the guys that can actually get a really good start on that Suzuki um, so I would look for him to have uh, not only some good qualifying but some good finishes. He could even steal one of those uh, one of those races throughout the night. Uh, another guy who's used to, and this is basically this has been his bread and butter for a, not, a lot of years, sprint races, quick lap times, trying to get things done quickly, is Jacob Hayes. Uh, we've seen him have some issues later on in uh, in races so far this season. Um, all of that being uh, the Phoenix uh, main event there. I would suggest uh, that if, if uh, you guys are looking at somebody for fantasy, I think Jacob Hayes would be a great pick. Of course, he's a lot of people are going to be picking him as well. Martin Costello, the 72 machine. He's on Suzuki's backed by Jamie Ellis. Uh, he's going to have a great motor. Uh, and I think that uh, he's also been pretty consistent in his qualifying, so he's not going to have to go to the LCQ as far as I'm concerned. So that might be someone you guys look for as far as uh, someone to... Uh, make it into the mains quite easily, and uh, I don't know if he has amazing results there, but he's also a pretty consistent guy. He's not not super flashy, but I my money's on Martin Costello to have a really strong day. And uh, same thing for uh, Bradley Lionette. Um, out of South Africa, really, really strong product, and uh, he's on a Yamaha this year. I think he's, he's going to be used to that motorcycle. He's good in qualifying, and uh, I think very much like Costello is going to get you some uh, some really good finishes if you're playing fantasy motocross. Fantasy Supercross. Uh, who does this hurt? Uh, there's a couple of guys who seem to, uh, they're more racers than they are um, qualifiers. And of course, everyone loves to uh, loves to like all the videos of Carson Brown do, uh, riding pit bikes in his backyard, a place that he rides probably better than uh, than anyone has, has ever ridden it. Uh, he, he's awesome at doing that. And uh, But 
Supercross isn't his backyard. Uh, he's still getting used to that whole world a little bit, and I think that shows mostly in his qualifying. He's been uh, uh, out near the, the, the back part of the 20s, if not the 30s, in a lot of his qualifying time. So I think that's why he ends up in the LCQ, and uh, from there, he's going to have to race himself into a uh, finish. And same goes for the rest of the guys that I'm going to be listing here. Uh, Deegan Van Losberg, uh, he made into the main at, at uh, Glendale. But uh, his qualifying times have been uh, a little bit off the pace. I think he's more of a racer than he is a qualifier. And same goes for Logan Carnow. Uh, love Logan. He's been on the show a number of times. He's, ex- he's an extremely fast rider. He's an extremely fast racer. Um, but I think that this format does not uh, um, suit his strengths. I think that he's going to be a little bit uh, behind the eight ball. Um, and and uh, I think that uh, I would predict uh, Logan missing the night show. Same goes for Gage Shar, a guy who um, shown speed in the past. We've seen him uh, up in some nationals. We've seen him up in some supercross races. He seems to uh, have a really flashy style, looks great on the bike. But uh, I think that his qualifying times, although probably most, uh, he's, he's probably the closest to the front of these guys. He's, as far as qualifying time goes, I would be weary uh, as he's shown uh, to had a tendency to, uh, to uh, kind of come apart at times. And especially in uh, some some LCQs and uh, and stuff like that, so I would stay away from those four in in Carson Brown, Deegan Van Losberg, as well as Logan Carnow and Gage Shar. Uh, moving over to the 450 class quickly, um, who does this help? I think uh, you're crazy if you don't think that Justin Hill is going to uh, kind of be in a great position to have a great night with um, with. This situation, the the uh, the triple crown race. Uh, there's sprints. He's got speed. He's uh, I think there's some jumpy sections on the track that are, uh, and also the track will have some pr- a pretty soft base. Of course, they covered the track, but uh, moisture does still uh, penetrate, and I think that uh, he'll be able to overcome that better than most. Same thing goes for Justin Brayton. A couple of Justins uh, are going to have themselves a good night this Saturday. I'm thinking with Justin. Brayton, um, obviously a guy who won last year at one of these races, and he's won a heat race already this year. I think that puts him in a great position to uh, steal one of these. He'll be uh, a popular pick on fantasy. Um, Chad Reed, if his starts are there, uh, I think he has a great opportunity uh, at some good finishes. We've seen him second place uh, in a heat race already this year. I think that shows that his his uh, qualifying or his his uh, sprint speed is up. He's got the lap times. If he gets the starts, watch out for uh, CRT2. And as far as a, a privateer, or maybe not a privateer, but a guy on uh, a non-factory supported team that I feel is going to have a bit of an uptick uh, this weekend is uh, is Alex Ray. Uh, he's, his qualifying has been pretty good so far. A little, little better in Glendale than it was uh, in uh, Anaheim 2. But uh, I think that you can uh, basically, you can um, mark down a Ray for uh, some good finishes coming up this weekend. I think that he's uh, he'll be in it to win it. He'll be in it to well not win, but uh, he'll be bringing his best. I think that qualifying time keeps him out of the LCQ, and that's what allows him to uh, have a decent gate pick for the main events and make make it through the, uh, the evening program. Guys in the 450 class, that this hurts. Uh, you know I love them, but unfortunately, I think that this format does not uh, suit. Adam Entiknap, the best. Uh, he's still getting used to that Suzuki, um, and uh, his qualifying times are indicative of, indicative of that. He seems to be uh, struggling just a little bit with uh, getting up to speed uh, during the qualifying times. So uh, I think that's why uh, he'd have a hard, probably the hardest time of the guys who uh, are on a pretty solid program uh, to make it into the main events. 
Uh, same thing for it goes for his teammate Kyle Chisholm. Uh, he's been on the the, the just outside uh, the top twenty, top twenty, twenty-two in qualifying time. So he'll find himself in the LCQ more off, more likely than not. And uh, I think any time that you uh, have a guy that's going to be find himself in there, uh, it, it raises uh, just that much more uh, unlikeliness that he he ends up making it in. I guess uh, you guys will be able to make your picks after that. Um, but even still. I think that uh, I, I, maybe before. I think it's probably before the, the LCQ drops. So uh, I w- I'd stay away from uh, from Justin uh, Kyle Chisholm. I'd also stay away from Aaron Plessinger, who uh, seems to be really uh, having a hard time qualifying to the best of his ability. Still dealing with some back issues and uh, behind the eight ball with the setup on that YZ450F. Uh, um, Justin Bogle and AJ Catanzaro kind of round out my who does this hurt. Um, side of things because I don't think that uh, Justin Br- Justin Bogle is going to have a hard time, hard time making the mains. I think I just think it's going to be a long night of racing for him uh, on a bike that he's not quite, quite uh, comfortable on and uh, uh, I would I would suspect that uh, it'll still be a few more races before you we really see some signs of life from uh, from Bogle. I think uh, he needs some time on the motorcycle. I think he needs some time to uh, get himself into race race shape. And uh, finally, AJ Catanzaro, the cat, he's a fantastic person, love hanging out with the guy, um, but uh, his qualifying times haven't been there so far this year. Uh, he'll rely on the LCQ to make it into the main events, and anytime you're doing that, you're really putting yourself at risk to not even uh, be a part of those main events. So uh, those are the guys that I think that it helps. Those are the guys I think that it hurts. Hopefully that helps you for your fantasy this uh, this weekend, and uh, shout out to Sickwix Candles as well as the Collective Experience. You can go to the CollectiveXP.com right now to get yourself an amazing experience like no other. Check them out. Dave Drake's approves. And uh, now, without further ado, here is the podcast that I did, the interview with Joe Cancellari. Enjoy. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by SickWix.com as well as the Collective Experience. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt, with us on the line from the W Training Facility. He's a first-time offender on the podcast. We'll likely have him come on again sometime. Joe Cancellari, how's it going? Hey, man. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, anytime that we can get a guy on the podcast who uh, who knows the human body, knows these motocross racers like no other, we, we capitalize on it, we jump on it, and uh, and you're a guy who uh, has uh, been training uh, some top athletes over at the W Training Facility, a place that's uh, currently in, um, well, they're always changing things over there. There's always adding things. Uh, not only <laughs> do they, get, they have uh, batting cages at the uh, uh, Wildemar location, but now you guys are expanding to a second location. Expansion means new trainers and uh you uh, you i guess have been there for about four or five months now yeah i uh i started here over the summer and uh just been progressively you know kind of immersing myself here and you know gaining you know a a bigger clientele i guess you'd say and just kind of trying to bring you know my core principles and methodologies that i practice uh to i guess you'd say the motocross community because it's something that you know, I've raced motocross my entire life, but this was, you know, kind of the first opportunity I got to work in the sport. I was fortunate to work in, you know, a variety of professional sports before this. And I kind of took some of the things I've learned through my experiences in, you know, the workforce of the sports I've worked in and, you know, also my education and, right. uh, 
kind of just, you know, been practicing that here with the athletes I work with. And it's been really good so far. It's been, you know, a learning experience. It's definitely, um, I'm fortunate to be here in the position I'm in. And I think, you know, kind of, I strive every day to learn more, to learn from the athletes I work with. And, uh, so far so good. For sure. So, um, where does your uh, education lie? What, what uh, type of background do you have? And uh, what other sports did you work in prior to uh, motocross? And um, uh, by, no, by no means do I mean to take a shot at motocross, but uh, they're, they're like the regular stick and ball sports uh, definitely seem to be <laughs> a little bit more organized than motocross at times. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what was, yeah, I what, mean, what's your biggest takeaway? So, I mean, I guess I could start off with like speaking of my education, uh, I had my master's degree from uh, Columbia University where I studied biobehavioral science. And, Not a big you know, deal. The, the focus there was, uh, you know, brain and behavior, motor learning, motor skill acquisition, uh, and how our body makes decisions, and more specifically, how our brain decides to do things. Uh, and then I also specialized there in human anatomy, physiology, and exercise science. Uh, and then now I'm actually currently enrolled at Harvard Medical St- School uh, online courses where I'm studying cognitive health and neuroscience. And people might say, well, you know, why are you going so far in depth uh, when, you know, you're just training guys? But, you know, I think, you know, a lot of, you know, my education and what I like to study and, you know, kind of brush up on all the time is neuroscience and cognitive health but I, you will sometimes hear me call it cognitive fitness. Uh, it really kind of stems from my core principles that root from the concepts in kind of neurobiology of human movement. Um, and more specifically, something that's called neuromuscular structural integration okay. and how that kind of contributes to movement, decision-making, fine motor skills, motor skill learning, and kind of the mechanical principles that govern all our movements, because, you know, when you're riding a motorcycle on a track that's constantly changing every lap, you're having to make conscious decisions all the time when you have the chaos of 22 riders in a main event around you. So as, as much as I stress being strong and conditioned and mobile, I think your cognition and how you make these decisions in split seconds and, that's so important because, you know, as much as it is a conscious decision, it's hard to think what to do in a split second when you have, you know, someone behind you or a lapped rider or a, a hay bell on the course. So, you know, I'm very, very big with, you know, neuro- neurology and how we make decisions and how our body reacts to certain situations. But then again, I really, I, I also promote that, yes, being strong and fit and monitoring athletes' workloads is important as well. So that's kind of my principles. And, you know, I really, you know, kind of acquired uh, a lot of my knowledge, you know, from obviously my education, but the experiences that I've had in working, which, you know, I worked for the Washington Nationals baseball team. I was a sports scientist there for uh, two seasons. And, I worked for a facility here in California called 108 Performance. It was a, a, I was a director of research there, uh, and kind of just a movement specialist. I'm currently still on the uh, CTE Awareness, which is a concussion foundation. Right. Uh, I was a research, advi- research advisory board member. Uh, I worked for a company in New York City called Sports Lab NYC, where 
Uh, I really learned a lot of uh, what I do today from a man named Dr. Keith Pine. And there I was fortunate to work with a lot of professional athletes being in the New York City area, you know, where you have the Rangers, the Yankees, the Mets, and kind of like you said earlier, more of the stick and bowl sport athletes. But, you know, it really shaped me into who I am today. And, you know, I think what's important and when working with athletes, it's, you know, there's not one recipe for an athlete, you know. You know, there's a time and place for group fitness and bigger group classes, but I think if you really want to get the uh, the most out of somebody and make them the best version of themselves, an individualized training program is really important to address the needs of uh, an athlete, especially at this level. You know, it's uh, it's really important for them to get the most out of each and every day and watch what they're doing, monitor their workloads, and you know. Uh, really basically what you're doing is, you know, getting them to be as fresh as they can for the weekend. So. Yeah. Well, like, uh, you, as well as I know, motocross, uh, dubbed probably the most mental, uh, of the sports, uh, especially when it comes to the, the professional level, these guys, uh, all too often guys who struggle are labeled as uh, quote unquote head case. Um, guys who have a ton of potential, um, that, that just aren't able to, uh, see it come to fruition. Uh, what are some of the methods of sort of measuring those types of, like, how do you like to, to, to actually create uh, a map of, of how to actually measure the results that you're getting? And, uh, and like when it comes to being successful in that mindset or in the, the world of, of working with the brain, um, how does a, a professional motocross racer go about that? Or how, how does an athlete go about it? Yeah, I think that's a great question. As you know, I spoke earlier, I think, you know, all these athletes have different needs and, you know, you hear that term, like you said, head cases a lot. And, you know, I think there's a lot of things that affect an individual. And I think there's a lot of variables that affect people differently. So, you know, a big part of building a, you know, a program for an athlete is getting to know them. And I think once you get to know them and see how they respond to certain things you throw their way, you can really start to cater the program to make it suit what their needs are. Uh, and, you know, it's a process. It's not something that happens, you know, in a month. It could be two months. It could be three. It's all dependent on the athlete. And, you know, that's, I think, you know, as far as, you know, the whole quote-unquote head case, I, in my mind, that's more of, I guess, obviously a psychological thing where that's not necessarily my forte. Um, my forte really lies more in, you know, our body's way of communicating with kind of our muscles, joints, and our neuromuscular system. So, you know, every movement that you make or every decision you make kind of requires communication between our brain and our muscles. And, you know, the nerves and muscles work together as our neuromuscular system. So that makes your body move as you want it, or it allows you to make decisions as you want it. And, because, I mean, at the end of the day, it, our body body movement is, you know, it's a fundamental and essential component of human life, you know, because everything we do in our daily activities, you know, or basically, you know, in interaction with our environment. And it kind of uh, is associated with the generation of, you know, our movement or our what we're doing on a motorcycle. You know, we're moving around on a motorcycle, but, you know, things are happening so fast that, you know, 
it's kind of you kind of rely back on what you've done you know the training the 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 time you the seat time you do get so uh the head the quote unquote head case part of it you know uh, it it's something you can work on you know um i try to you know be very communicative with my riders and you know get them to you know whatever they're going through it could be something you know related to the bike it could be something in their personal lives uh but those little stressors they add up at the end of the week, at the end of a month, at the end of a, a long supercross season. And stress comes physically, right? And it comes in a mental form as well. So alleviating any stress that, uh, that the body can take is important to, you know, kind of bring you back to what I said is being as fresh as you can for race day, because all these guys are going so fast. And, it, and at this level to be, you know, 1% better than somebody, which is very hard to do can be the difference between, you know, being on the podium every weekend or being, you know, eighth, eighth or ninth. So, uh, it's, it's a unique approach that I take with every athlete, but, um, as I go through the process, I learn, you know, kind of how they respond to it. And I take it day by day. As, as your athletes do as well. So who are the, some of the guys that you work cl- most closely with? Uh, obviously, uh, having only worked with them from the summer, uh, there's, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you need to learn the athlete. They need to learn you. And uh, how quickly can, uh, can an athlete that starts with a new trainer start to see some serious results? Yeah, so, I mean, some of the guys I've been fortunate, I mean, we're fortunate to have a, a, a great variety of athletes that come through here. And, you know, we work do work a lot, obviously, with the motocross community. So I've worked, you know, with, you know, Mitchell Harrison. Uh, I've helped Adam Cincerello with uh, a little part of his rehab process where the focus was, you know, kind of on his shoulder and his knees, functional, cognitive strength. Um, today, I just had, you know, Robbie Madison in here. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Jerry, Jerry Robin. Of course, Jerry. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, I work really closely with him right now. Uh, uh, the star guys who come in here, I'm fortunate to, you know, sometimes do things with them. And, you know, uh, we even do, uh, you know, I've even worked with, you know, outside, you know, the racing aspect, you know, Jeremy Stenberg and a, lo- a lot of our little local amateur riders as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's cool. You know, we get we get motocross, we get mountain bikers, we get uh, skateboarders, you know, we get a really big range of athletes who come in here. And, you know, it, it's 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 cool for me because, you know, it kind of forces me to uh, sometimes, you know, dive back into the books and, you know, use things that I've learned in the past that, you know, I wouldn't typically use with a motocrosser, but I'd use it, you know, with a skateboarder, I'd use it with a mountain biker. So uh, it definitely keeps me on my toes, which I really enjoy because I was actually just talking to somebody about this the other day. And, you know, I think as science and technology kind of, advance you know you have to advance with it and you have to continuously you know educate yourself and you know i've always said that the more i learn the less i know because you know i i always keep that in the back of my mind because i think it's super important to keep up with the times and as the science and technology and understanding of physiology and human anatomy have been changing it's kind of elevated all of sports so uh, I think that's really important. You know, like I said, there's not one way to, uh, to, to train somebody. It's everybody's different. And I learn, you know, I learn every day. I learn from other trainers. I learn from reading. I learn from just everything, you know, experience, you know, I think that's the key part is not to be closed minded, but to really, you know, 
learn from everybody, learn from your athletes. They can learn from you. I can learn from other trainers. And, you know, it's, it's super important for the development of the athlete, development of our facility, and really just keeping, you know, a great group of athletes coming in here, which we're fortunate to have right now. So, For sure. Like, say, like in the case of a guy like Adam C. and Cirillo, he's worked with Rob Bean. Yep. He's worked with mm-hmm. uh, uh, Alden Baker. He's also uh, yep. worked with uh, like Blake Savage over the years. Uh, a guy like that, he's kind of been everywhere, done everything as far as, uh, as, far as training goes. How do you bring new yep. elements to his program? And what, from mm-hmm. his knowledge, and he's literally been at this core quite some time, what is it from him, his well of knowledge that can actually uh, make you a better trainer? Yeah, I think, you know, with an athlete that has a lot of experience, and even though Adam's not, you know, too old, but he has a lot of experience as far as uh, dealing with different trainers and, you know, different methodologies of training, training principles. And it was funny when he came in, you know, it was kind of, you know, this is what I need. And a big thing that I like to do with athletes when they come in is kind of talk to them and just to see where they're at, see what has worked for them in the past. And more importantly, what hasn't worked for them in the past, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they know their bodies pretty well. And if you deal with professional athletes, you know, they're very in tune with themselves, which is obviously super important. And, uh, I kind of always have, you know, this, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, but it's, uh, it's, uh, a saying or a principle that I heard said, uh, once before. And it's, I like to think about why I think the way I think, and I like to know why I think what I think. So it's kind of a tongue twister, but I like to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I like my athlete to understand that as well. So okay. initially I, I want to be on the same page with them and, the feedback, you know, from someone like Adam was super, uh, it was very, uh, I guess you would use the word, uh, I don't know, detailed. You know, he knew what he wanted. He knew what didn't work in the past. We knew what we needed to work on, so we just implemented into the program. And, you know, if I said, okay, if you don't like this movement, I said, be up front with me, you know, tell me. Because the, the thing at the end of the day, the most important part at the end of the day is that you're happy and we're progressing with you. And, that's something we worked on and, you know, it was not necessarily a core training program with global movements, but we really focused on segmental strength, you know, his little type of, you know, I wouldn't say he's weak because he's actually a pretty strong kid, but the areas that he felt he needed to work on better, like, you know, he was obviously coming back from a knee injury. So we really focused on, you know, strengthening his glutes, his, you know, his glute medius, his adductor complexes. So that was super important getting him to be functionally strong and, you know, I kind of added a little bit of that cognitive fitness that I spoke about earlier. So it was a, it was a, you know, he was a real pleasure to work with as, you know, he's an intelligent kid and kind of has, you know, like you said, had a couple trainers in the past and he really, really knew, uh, you know, what he wanted. So that was a, it was a pleasure to work with him. Hey, Big MX listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors. We'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Big MX listeners, let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. 
all these awesome candles. You gotta check them out. They're motocross dedicated, and uh, they 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 burn nice and clean. They got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It, it pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's going to make your garage smell better. It's going to make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're going to love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them, and you're going to love them. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality Purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1 and the full array of market-leading products, Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima Racing Oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. We're going to do whatever we want, and if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. If you're not, we're still going to do the thing. I can just let go, put our middle fingers up with a smile, and let it roll. not just go out there and train to be number one because it's more losers and winners in this world. I grew up in Newhall. That was 805. I got into this can. I said, that is a badass fucking can. The beer is even better inside. We have a band of brothers. They're different. They just like to have a good time and live life, have fun, and kill it. Fast house is nothing but fun. We all want to feel good. The average guy can go out there, throw down. I do it my way and it's all that matters. It's not easy to do this shit. My girl's looking at me to support her and I've got a broken leg from dirt bike. You see a lot of people that fall out of it. It's all so based on results and being the winner. That mentality of the 60s, 70s, that's what we try to do is bring that back where it's not so serious. 
don't really like the super competitiveness of it. I like to bring something that's more lighthearted. Probably all serious about it at one point and kind of realizing let's just have fun. That's what my old man did and it just really resonated with me riding a dirt bike on that fine line of glory and disaster. Throw your leg over a bike and haul ass across the desert and feel free. 90% of people that own a motorcycle go out on the weekends and they just want to have fun. Can't ever take that for granted. Two wheels till the wheels fall off, man. Once I feel like you become a man, you know, you get off the track and you're exhausted. Just an ice cold beer, just nothing sounds better than that. This fast house crew is gonna break the mold how it used to be and maybe even then some. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming, and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateers racing program throughout the day. I'm talking pre-race strategy, filming practice sessions, talking about the racetrack, meeting the riders, getting cool swag, getting to hang out with guys like Dave Drakes, getting to hang out with guys like me at the track. It's an awesome program, and the money goes right back to the privateers. You're actually supporting their racing program, and you get a really cool experience. Check it out, Google. The Collective Experience, first thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there. Great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience. A proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Hey, guys. This is Johnny Louch from the W Training Facility, powered by Crosley. Head over to Matera and enter Team W and get 15% off. The product's amazing. You'll love it. And uh, thanks the support of big mx radio broadcasts love being on the show and talk to you soon for sure obviously that guy's got to be a pleasure he like you said he knows what uh, what's worked in the past what doesn't work but he also has to approach you with an open-mindedness knowing that uh, you know your stuff you've worked with some uh, to high level ball players uh in the past so i yep. ask you this how does working with a, a top-flight uh, motocross guy compared to working with, uh, with say, an all-star pitcher or, uh, uh, like, the, the baseball athletes? And, I, I like, stick-and-ball sport athletes are a slightly different breed than your extreme sports guys. Uh, I always happen – I kind of have a little bit of a chuckle when you see some athletes that – they come from the the extreme sports era or the sport of sector, and uh, they really don't know how to move in the gym. They're very uh, they might have all the flow in the world on two wheels, but when it comes to moving weight through space, they they look like uh, they look, look like a brand new giraffe a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> what what's the comparison about working with them from both a like a mental uh, approach to training? Because of course, like a lot of stick and ball athletes, like they're almost born in the gym. They're, they sometimes they go to the gym only slightly after uh, being introduced to the sport that they're so good at, uh, whereas uh, a lot of motocross athletes uh, don't uh, pick up uh, a set of dumbbells or a, a kettlebell or anything like that until it's time to get serious. How do you compare those two, and how do they sort of, uh, how are they similar, how are they different? 
Yeah, I mean, it's true. You know, they're definitely different breeds. Um, but I guess, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I learned so much from each group. You know, I raced motocross my whole life. So when I initially started working in baseball, I was almost kind of, you know, I was a newbie in the sport. And it was interesting to see, you know, their approach and how they went about, you know, their training, the methodologies behind that. Uh, I think with, you know, baseball and motocross, they're two very long seasons. You know, baseball is 162 games and motocross, you know, you go have a supercross series and an entire outdoor series and then motocross the nations. And then you kind of don't really have too much time off before the monster energy cup starts. So they both, to me, the similarities there was, the duration of their seasons and the workload. So monitoring athlete workload was definitely something that I kind of used in baseball. And I wanted to bring it over to motocross to understand what their body was going through, whether you're looking at heart rate data, um, maybe ratings of perceived exertion, because, you know, you don't want either athlete to fall into chronic fatigue. It kind of puts you at a risk of getting hurt or you're not performing. And I would say that that's definitely a huge similarity between the two. And then like you spoke about, yeah, uh, motocross athletes, you know, maybe you necessarily wouldn't even call them, like you said, movement athletes, you know, they're on a machine, uh, but they are moving, you know, and I think, the more you can get them to be, uh, I guess you'd say better movers, the more, you know, functional strength they'll develop, uh, the more muscle economy they'll have. And, you know, I think they have a natural condition, you know, type of aspect as, you know, being on a, a motorcycle creates a very high heart rate. Uh, so I think they have that kind of good base, but I think sometimes what they do lack, um, uh, is a strength aspect. And, being strong and riding a motorcycle is super important, you know, as far as having your ability to stabilize, um, be able to sustain um, a 15 to 20 minute moto. And I think, you know, I would say that baseball players didn't really lack that because being powerful and strong is a very, you know, type of uh, important aspect of being a baseball player where I think motocross has a stigma of just, you need to be conditioned. You need to have that cardio aspect, which is true, a hundred percent true. But you know, I think some um, some uh, motocross athletes that I've dealt with have kind of lacked that strength. You got to be strong. So they kind of flip flopped in those two areas. And but the similarities definitely lie in how much they're or how long their each season is. And it's interesting to see. And it was, you know, going into baseball, I never realized that. But I was like, wow, like these guys their bodies go through a lot. They play every single day, 162 games. So it was uh, definitely interesting. And I learned both. I learned a lot from both sports each day, I should say. For sure. Like the both have a ridiculous grind, 162 games or 62 or 64? 162? 62. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long season. <laughs> That's an epic season. Those guys grind yeah. it out. Um, they, yes. Yeah, like, uh, but also with motocross, similar. Like these guys are every single like as soon as they're done the main event on Saturday or the moto on Saturday, their focus is to be as rested and fresh as they can be for the week that comes. Because then you have to smash 
Um, like a lot of these guys, they fly on Thursday, if not early early Friday. Um, like mm-hmm. You basically have to fit training, practicing, and some uh, sometimes testing into a three-day uh, spirit period being uh, like Sunday a lot of times, a rest day, recovery day, and then Monday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, you might, or Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you try and get something in, and then you're 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 heading back out again. How do you how do these guys stay fresh, and how do they get all their work done in a pretty short amount of time? Um, like I would even argue that um, the the off season, quote unquote off season, uh, maybe it's different for the two fifties because they don't have as many off season races to attend. Um, but a lot of the time, their training and their off season is is basically limited to like an eight week fit challenge. You know what I mean? Like. How fit can you get in eight weeks? Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's, I mean, it's a grind, and and you know, in a different way. You know, I think, you know, it's so important to to be as fresh as you can be, but it's almost a maintenance thing because, you know, can you fully recover in, by Thursday? And depending on your weekend, yeah, some weeks you'll feel better than others. But I think, you know, every like. You know, you hear these guys say it all the time in interviews. Is like, you know, from the moment I wake up to the time I go to bed, it, I'm dedicated to motor, you know, to to motocross and to my craft and you know how the weekend should unfold. But it's it's true because everything you do from the day from the time after you pull off from the main event till the next main event is going to affect your your you know your physiological status, your mental status. So it's so important to do everything you can do between the two, between Saturday to Saturday to get you ready. So, you know, if that means going to bed super early or eating a certain diet, you know, these guys, you know, at the top have figured it out and, you know, they're trying to stay as fresh as possible and monitoring your workload and, you know, how much is too much, how much is too little, you know, you know, like I said earlier, you know, a big part of, that developmental process and starting with an athlete is going to be figuring that out. You know, how much can he take? How little can he take? You know, it's a, it's a balance because, you know, you don't want to do too little, but you don't want to do too much. So, and that's dependent on the athlete too. You know, that's huge, you know, so a, a good way to measure that, you know, would obviously be, you know, that's why a lot of guys use these heart rate monitors because we're measuring, you know, you know, your central nervous system fatigue and, you know, understanding that is super important to uh to make them or have them be as ready as they can be for the weekend and and it's not easy to do you know it's a it's a balancing act and you're going to have weekends where you don't feel good and you're you're racing so and i think you know that's you kind of hear it all the time but that's that's what you know the champions are really good at is you know when you're not feeling good and you're not a hundred percent you go out there and you just put your head down and make the best of it so well, there you go. So, uh, what are your goals as far as uh, working this year with uh, the W Training mm-hmm. Facility? Uh, maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Working with Johnny Louch, you, you seem to have uh, gone from uh, a guy that uh, not too many people knew about to uh, one of the featured trainers over there. Working, of course, with Ben, ben Clark as well. Uh, what are your plans working with those guys? And uh, like in in five, ten years from now, we're gonna be talking to you again. I'd, I'd assume. Uh, you'll probably have like a fitness empire in your own right. Uh, where do you see this thing uh, like kind of climbing up to? Well, you know, I mean, I've definitely been super fortunate to, you know, be here and, you know, Johnny has given me a great opportunity to work here and I'm, 
I'm thankful for that. Ben's been great as well. You know, we bounce off each other pretty good. And, you know, I think uh, I kind of, you know, I like to look ahead. You know, I think that's important to set goals. And I, but I also, on the same token, like to take day by day. But overall, but at the end of the day, I just, you know, I want to always continue to, you know, further my education and use my knowledge and experience to, you know, help develop with these athletes and, you know, help them in their weaknesses or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, the future of here for us, you know, it's, we're having an exciting time right now. We're opening another facility in Orange County and uh, in partnership with Medterra, which is the CBD oil company that is one of our awesome sponsors. So um, I think, you know, in five to 10 years, I, you know, I think I would obviously love to still be in this industry and, helping athletes out. Uh, it's, you know, definitely a passion of mine to be in this, uh, this industry. So I really, you know, I really just hope that in five to 10 years now, when I talk to you, I'm still here working with, you know, with top guys and just, you know, helping them be the best versions of themselves. Some championships under your belt, no doubt. Uh, I would imagine That's the goal. if you're, if you're working with some of these, uh, these guys that you're working with, um, yeah. Uh, last couple questions for you. Um, working with racers, working with freestyle guys, and other, um, I guess, extreme sports athletes. Uh, a guy like Robbie Madison having to contort himself a whole lot more differently than a guy like Adam Cianciarolo. Although most would would argue that that uh, the racing guys climb all over the motorcycle, uh, not a whole lot different than the freestyle guys. Uh, is there any type of yeah. uh, approach that's different working with a guy like Adam? who, uh, like, he's, he's top-flight pro, he's top-flight uh, racer, and a guy like Robbie Madison, who's probably broken more bones than Adam's currently won races. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, they're on motorcycles, but they're definitely doing two different things. So, um, you know, with the racers, you kind of obviously try and focus on, you know, I have them more in, I guess you would say, a strength, cardio, stability category. And then the freestyle guys, you know, with them, you know, we're working on, you know, strength and a little bit of cardio, but, and then mobility too, but not as, you know, not as much the cardio for the freestyle guys as the, uh, the racers. So they're pretty, you know, from the most part, they're pretty similar, but you know, the thing with me is like w- not one program I have for an athlete is the same. Your initial assessment when you come in here, I kind of really cater your, your, I guess you'd call it workout program to your needs from the assessment. So I obviously have, you know, methodologies that I use for one guy that I'll use for the other, that I won't use for the other. But overall, you know, I kind of just use my, you know, my experience and education and even my, what if I bounce off of Ben or some of the other guys here just to kind of build a program base for the athlete. Uh, And, you know, you kind of keep in mind what they do, but I think the whole point of my assessment is to understand where their weaknesses are. And once I touch upon that, speak to them, uh, that's kind of how I build their program out. They're obviously two different, you know, they're different, you know, types of guys as far as being a racer and a freestyle um, athlete. But uh, overall, at the end of the day, uh, the program's uh, based on your needs. So that's kind of where my focus is in, in regards to that. 
Fair enough. They're all different, and you have that different approach with each guy. That it takes a lot of adaption on your part. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Joe. Where can people follow along and know, and figure out more about uh, your knowledge and your uh, your journey here in the sport of motocross after uh, working with a top flight baseball team like the Washington Nationals? Yeah, so uh, you can find me. You know, obviously, if you go to our uh, our Instagram, the W Training Facility. Uh, we now have a new uh, one as well, the W Training Facility OC. That's going to be for our Orange County location. And then my personal Instagram is Joe underscore Cancellary. Um, and then, yeah, if anybody has any questions or anything like that, you know, just shoot me a message and I'd gladly, you know, get back to you. So uh, it was a pleasure being on the show, though, but I really, uh, really uh, had fun. Hey, absolutely. Anytime that we can shed some light on uh, on your work, and actually, before I let you go, uh, to let let uh, people know is that uh, maybe this isn't uh, totally uh, connected to, but uh, before you were a, an involved member of the W Training Facility, you were a uh, a VIP member for the Collective Experience. Maybe tell me, tell the fans a little bit about that. Um, the, just yeah. one more reason people need to check out the Collective Experience because that's actually how we met. I believe that was Anaheim yep. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe it. I was either Anaheim or San Diego. I don't recall, but I think San Diego. Um, maybe. Yeah, it might have been San Diego. But I mean, okay. the collective experience was awesome. Uh, if anybody has a chance to do it, please do it. Uh, I, you know, I saw them on. I think it was Instagram. Kind of reached out to them and got set up and. I did, uh, I did three rounds. I did Anaheim 1, Anaheim 2, and San Diego. And, it, you know, it's a great inside look to the behind-the-scenes uh, part of Supercross that I don't think many fans get to see and or yeah. understand. And, you know, I met a bunch of people doing it, and, it, you know, it gave me a lot of connections. And it was kind of a, what made me decide to say, hey, like, I really enjoy this sport and I've done it my whole life. So I wanted to create as many opportunities as I could to be involved in it. And I felt like that was a good kind of entry into that. So I signed up for it, got in contact with those guys and, you know, the rest is history, I guess you could say. So, cause I'm here now. So, um, it was a great experience and anybody that has a chance to do it, I would highly recommend it. Oh, well, I'm glad we were able to get that in there. Yeah, absolutely. Check uh, seeing you there and just getting that behind the scenes exclusive look was, I think, really important uh, to have you there. And and then for those who haven't yet taken uh, taken the opportunity to do so, uh, this is one of the things that can happen. You, you get plugged into the social pipeline that is uh, a motocross, and you land yourself uh, a job that changes your life. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that no, was really cool, and uh, definitely um, thankful for it. So it was a cool experience, for sure. Awesome. Go check out the W Training Facility. You need to. You'll probably find Joe's Instagram there. And if you don't, you have to find Joe underscore can, uh, Cancellary on Instagram. He's a great follow, and he's a good friend of mine, a friend of the podcast. Joe, this has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast, my friend. Thanks, Brian, for having me. I really appreciate it, and I hope we can do this again. Absolutely. You'll be a repeat offender. You can bet on that. Uh, Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast's sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Radio Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Maxima USA, proven under the toughest conditions. The Collective Experience, 
Access your dreams at thecollectivexp.com. Sickwix candles, soy candles, and wax melts for moto fans like you. Medterra CBD. Our CBD, your health. Find out more at medterracbd.com. And of course, FMF Racing. 46 years of mixing gas and hauling ass.